as they are being dismissed, if you'll turn me in your Bibles, let's look to uh, God's Word in Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah, kind of in the middle of your Bible. Uh, we're going to be in Jeremiah 29. I bet you it's a passage that many of you know. Uh, some of you may have as your favorite verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, it's one of mine, but we'll get to that. Hey, what we're doing is we are on a journey together, a journey to wholeness. Uh, we started the year by saying, God, uh, we want, want to be more whole. We want to be healthier. Uh, we want to be whole in every part of life. Uh, not just uh, spiritually, but certainly there, but physically, mentally, emotionally, fiscally. God, we're Yours and You love us so much. Would You make us whole? So let me tell you a little recap of where we've been. We started off by saying that wholeness only begins with Jesus. I mean, wholeness begins, continues, and ends or consummates with Jesus. There's no wholeness apart from Him. It doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do. According to God's Word, and we're really seeing that because we're made in God's image, that wholeness only is found in Him. That without Him, there's like this veil that separates us from wholeness because there's this veil that separates us from a holy God. But God so loved the world and broken people like us that Jesus came down and He came down to rip apart that veil so that we can discover wholeness in Christ. So that we can now live our lives, you ready for this, with unveiled faces. God knows the truth about us, but He loves us just the same. And so now we don't have to pretend. Now we don't have to hide because of all the things that Christ's done for us. Because of His precious blood that has cleansed us for His beautiful righteousness that robes us. That He has now, through the power of this great good news gospel, He lets us live our lives unmasked. Truthful. Not afraid. Reflecting His glory. We don't have to hide. Isn't that good news? Remember, if we only live our lives behind a mask, only the mask is loved. Only the mask is known. But there's more to that. That when this wholeness thing, it's not just about us individually getting right with God. That when you read Scripture, He's all about community. He says if you want wholeness, that together as a, as a church, you have to have unveiled faces. Unveiled faces together. We seek God's glory. So the reality is, if you want wholeness, you got to do it with the person sitting next to you and around you and across the corner here. I mean, wholeness is a together thing. Uh, someone recently said uh, that we're only as parents, we're only as happy as our least happy child. Kind of true, isn't it? And a lot of times parents, we're only as happy as our, our least happy child or whatever they happen to be going through. Well, think of that together in community. We're only going to be as whole as our least one child with us, child of God, who's whole. Not only that, not only can uh, wholeness starts with Jesus and we see that we got to do it together, but wholeness is defined by Jesus. That Jesus has a whole pattern to this wholeness deal. He says it starts with this. Blessedness starts when we know who Jesus is. A lot of confusion about Jesus. A lot of confusion in his day. A lot of confusion in our day. But when we, by God's grace, when it's been revealed to us by the Father, like it was with Peter. Remember we looked at that a few years ago? When we are able to say, Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the long-awaited Messiah. More than that, you are the Son of the living God. Man, when we know that wholeness descends on us and, and God calls us, ready for this? He calls us blessed. The holy God calls us blessed when we know 
who His Son is. But He's got a pattern for us. And basically this pattern starts from blessedness, but it goes to brokenness. That we all kind of maybe have dreams of what, what our life should be like and dreams of what wholeness looks like. And Jesus says, if you really want to be whole, if you really want to have what I have for you, here's what you got to do. And it's kind of craziness. He says, here's what you do. You come and you deny yourself. You set aside your dreams of what you think is whole. You pick up a cross and you follow me. And we realize that this journey to wholeness begins with blessedness when we know Jesus, but man, it, it goes through brokenness. Isn't it true? I just was at a conference this week and I, I saw a 30-year-old man who uh, preaches. He preaches. If you know the Varnells, he's the Varnells preacher. They used to be here. They moved to Texas. And he's an amazing preacher. He's a lot like Spurgeon because he too never went to seminary. And man, can the guy bring it. And the guy preaches. He's like a 30-year-old preacher. When I, he preaches, I weep. I just, there's something about the tone of his voice. There's something about the authority. There's something about the Spirit of God that's just all over him. And he's basically dying with a brain tumor. And he's 30. And I'm telling you what, when you, when, you, when you hear a dying man preach, you listen. And is it powerful? And I said, God, that's all I am. I'm a dying man preaching to dying men. May it be powerful. And he said, you know, brokenness is a part of my story. I never thought it would be, but man, is it powerful. So we go from blessedness to brokenness. That's God's pattern for wholeness. Isn't it amazing? But it's true. So if you're here today and you feel like you're broken, you feel like there's stuff that's just not working, the wheels have not, they're falling off. Be of good cheer. You're not away from God's rescue. I mean, it's amazing how God uses the most painful things in our life to teach us amazing mess, uh, lessons and messages and to make us whole. Well, last week we looked at the church. We said basically we got to be an unveiled church. And for the last several weeks I've been talking to you as a community and saying, is this place really safe? I mean, come on, let's be honest with each other. Is this place really safe? A place that we can live our lives with unveiled faces before one another? Because that's how we should be. That's what God's Spirit has done for us and through Christ. And we looked at the book of Acts last week. We looked at these six components that we got to have. Each one has to be healthy. we got to have unveiled devotion to God. What are we devoted to? Unveiled worship. Unveiled teaching. Unveiled fellowship. Unveiled compassion. And unveiled uh, evangelism. And now we get to today. This is unbelievable. This is the most radical of them all, I think. Put your seatbelt on. This is incredible. Because now God is going to tell us, you want wholeness. Here's the pattern for my wholeness. Wholeness can only be found. Ready for this? Wholeness can only be found. If you hear nothing else, you've got to hear this. Wholeness can only be found when we seek the wholeness of our city. Unbelievably. God says, not only can we not find wholeness without one another, He says this to us, we can't find His best without seeking the wholeness of our community. We can't find it. It's not about a holy huddle. It's not about just building our own little place here. That really wholeness comes when we seek the wholeness of our city. God's Word tells us how we're to seek the wholeness of the city. He says this, by building a community of unveiled followers of Jesus. It's like a city of God. And the way we seek the wholeness of the community is by the multiplying this community right here. The way we seek the blessing for our community is being stronger and multiplying here. We multiply this community growing in our depth, growing in our numbers, so that why? Ready for this? So we can reign over this city. And the way we reign over this city, right for this? The way we reign over this city 
is that we rain down blessings upon this city. And the reason why we multiply and the reason why we reign upon this city with blessings is because there's a city to come that we're longing for, that God's going to deliver. We live in light of that. So that's kind of a little bit of background. Let's look to Jeremiah 29. Uh, we're going to look in God's Word at verses 1 through 14. Um, let's, as we pick up the story, and remember, the whole story of the Bible is God's story of how He redeemed, how He set free His people, how He rescued them. Um, so we're picking up the story, and really, in a lot of ways, the story is hit an all-time low. Uh, God's people that he called to himself, God's people that he brought out of slavery out of Egypt, God's people that he brought through the Red Sea, God's people that wandered with him and were taught by him and tested by him and disciplined by him for 40 years going through uh, the desert and the wilderness, God's people who under Joshua's leadership went in and took over the promised land, God's people now have been such sinful people, they're in such apostasy, they're so messed up, that God eventually says, I'm done with you right now. I'm going to move you to exile. He has removed His people from promised land into a place called Babylon. Any familiarity with the Bible? You read Babylon, you hear that that's a, that's a place of uh, people who don't believe in Yahweh. They don't believe in our God. There's multiple religions there. It's, it's, like, the, it's like the metropolis of the world. It's hedonism. It's all the things that God's people aren't supposed to be in. So we pick up the story, God's people are at a low point because they've been sent out. Not only that, it's just, it's just uh, the setting of this whole story is in Babylon. So the original reading audience with this would already have like kind of goosebumps reading this. They'll have that little stuff coming in their mouth, bile, I guess it is, thinking, oh man, Babylon, no, this is not, not good stuff. And the greatest thing to the story is, as you look at the prophet Jeremiah, guess what's happening? It's God who carried him into exile. It's their sin that made him carry him. But God's saying, I want you to know this. The Babylonians are big, strong folks, and they may have like knocked you down and knocked down your walls and burned your temple. But the reason you're there is I carried you there. I've carried you to exile. Man, our God is sovereign in control of everything. You might be in some really difficult situations right now. And maybe because of your sin and apostasy. Maybe just because of economy. Maybe because of things you can't control. But we've got to know that God's always in control. And wherever you find yourself, for some reason, God's got you there. So that's, that's where they are. Um, and they've got to be crying to themselves saying, this is not how it's supposed to be. I mean, seriously, right now, how many of you sitting there right now are saying, this is not how it's supposed to be. My marriage shouldn't be like this. The doctor's reports shouldn't have been like that. My, my, my kids were supposed to be something different. My, my job or the lack thereof, my finances. This is not how it's supposed to be. That's what they were crying out. Doesn't God have a plan for us? Doesn't God have a plan for even me? Is there a plan for hope? Is there a plan for prosperity? Jeremiah 29, 1-14. through Let's look at it. These are, the words, uh, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exile and to the priest. Listen to who's there. They're in exile. you got priests. you got prophets. All the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, there's a king. 
Jeconiah was there, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the metal workers had all departed from Jerusalem. He's sending a letter to all these kind of elite. The letter was sent, um, and I want to get down to verse 4. Now they're in Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I'm sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Picture yourself there. You're longing to hear from God. There's a lot of people showing up that say they had heard from God. They're telling you different things. You're longing to hear from Him. you got a guy, Jeremiah, amazing prophet. And you are, you are living your life saying, this is not how it should be. This is not how it planned. I mean, what in the world? I thought I was part of the chosen. I'm in Babylon. So your ears are peaked. You're ready to listen. You're, you're trying to say, okay, let me lean into what God has for me. And he says this. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply. Multiply there. And don't decrease. He says, but listen, seek the welfare of the city. I mean, seek the shalom. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And by the way, where did he send him into exile? What city is this? Babylon. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare... You will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it's a lie that they are prophesying to you in the name of the Lord. I did not send them, declares the Lord. And basically what they were saying was just opposite. If you read in chapter 28, they were saying, hey, in just a couple of years, this is all over. So just hang out. Don't do anything. Just kind of sit there. And Jeremiah is like, no, no, no. There's work to be done. For thus says the Lord God, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Here's where many of us pick up the story. We know this part. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wholeness and not for evil. Isn't that great that God has plans for our wholeness? To give you future and a hope. Then you'll call upon me and you'll come and pray to me and I will hear you. Thank you, Lord. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, what a passage. And I know this for sure, Lord Jesus. This is radical. I know that there's people sitting in this church right now that don't have a relationship with you. And God, through the preached word, I pray that the only thing they hear is the love and mercy of God in Christ Jesus and they embrace you as Savior. God, there's people in this church right here that think that it only matters about their wholeness. I pray that you would break their hearts and have them realize that their wholeness is wrapped into their neighbor's wholeness. And Father, there's people here that think the church should just be the church and forget the city that we shouldn't really care about what happens in greater Orlando or the Florida or the U.S. or the world. But according to Jeremiah, according to your holy and errant word, you tell us that our welfare is wrapped up in seeking the welfare of our city. And so, God, we don't want to just be moralists. We don't want to do this because we're trying to earn your favor. God, we're your children who've already earned it in Christ. Now we want to be set free to do what you've called us to do. So, God, would you help us understand this? God, would you give us minds to understand this? There's there's some really good stuff here. 
And God, I'm just, I'm already, I'm just begging you to speak because we need to, hear, need to hear your voice, not mine. So the things I say are wrong or just my opinion, may they be, fall away and be forgotten. The things that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, press those upon our soul, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You have an outline if you'd like to follow along in the bulletin. Uh, amazingly, what the prophet of Jeremiah tells us is the first thing is this. We've got to build a city for God. God has called us here to build a city for God. The Babylonians had one of the most brilliant ways of dealing with their captives. I mean, they, they were a, a nation that were consuming uh, other nations, other gods, other people, bringing them back to Babylon. And you know how they dealt with them all? They synchronized them all into their own culture. What the Babylonians did is they were so smart, the first people they'd take into exile were the, were the officials, the priests and the prophets and the kings of an area. And then they'd bring in the craftsmen and the metal workers. They'd bring in all the people who shape society. They'd bring them into Babylon, and guess what they'd do? They'd give them jobs right there. They wouldn't oppress them and beat them. They, would, they wouldn't just make them all be in jail. They synchronized them. Amazingly, this is what they did. They try to take any distinction that God's people or any other people had when they brought them into exile, they brought them into their own city, they try to blur and take away all their distinction. So you couldn't tell who are God's people here and who are not God's people. Can you show them to me? I can't tell anymore. Who's who? And God is saying, listen, you are in a a foreign place. You're in a naughty, nasty place. Don't lose your distinction. Don't lose it. Build a city for me. We don't want to create a melting pot where we can no longer be recognized. Isn't that what the world wants to do to us Christians? Just don't stick out at all. God said, don't lose your distinction. Distinction I have given you as my people, even in exile. So church, the first message we have here is that God's called us to build a city for Him. He says, don't lose uniqueness. There's something really different about you. You're peculiar. You're God's. He set a unique love on you. Don't lose it. When we were in second grade, uh, we all had to make uh, uh, pins for our moms and Mother's Day. And so we were going to make pins. And, and my mom, some kids made red pins, and some kids made blue pins, and some kids made yellow pins, and some kids made different color pins, orange pins. But my mom deserved the best pin. So I'm going to use every color. I want this color, that color, this color, that. You put all the colors together and you get a really ugly brown. (laughs) I made a couple brown pins for my mom. They look exactly like a bird flew by and just put something right on her shoulder. I kid you not. She warm with pride. It's my mom. You see what happens when we blur all the the colors together? It just becomes this like poo brown. Sorry. God said, don't lose the color I've given you. I've colored you red with my son's blood. I have no intention for you to just blend in. None. Your color should be amazingly distinct and different from the world. Jesus said it this way. When he came to earth, he made it real clear. The way he said it says this. He said, church, my family, my brothers and sisters, you ready for this? You're a city on a hill. You're a city on a hill. You are a city on a hill. Don't lose your identity. Don't forget whose you are. Don't lose your perspective. You're supposed to be up on a hill. 
You're not supposed to be down in the trenches. You're on a hill. You're supposed to shine. Don't lose your purpose. Build a city so you won't lose it. We are called to be the salt of the earth. Jesus is saying, don't lose your flavor. He says, if, listen, if you lose your saltiness, you're no, throw it away. It's no good. There should be a flavor that the church has is when we interact with our community, they should be salty. They should say, man, those people, there's something different about them, but I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty to know more about their God. There's a saltiness to those people. Don't lose your saltiness. Listen, salt has an amazing catalytic power to preserve. It has an amazing power. Don't lose it. Build the city. Church, build the city. Multiply. I mean, grow. I mean, right where you are in Babylon, don't lose your distinction. Don't lose your flavor. We are to keep our distinctions. So why do we do it? We build a city for God. We build a city for God right here in the midst of the city. That's where we're supposed to be. The whole thing about the Bible is city. And how are we to build them? Here's what he says. Are you ready? You build them by building homes and living in them. We build the city of God by starting around our dining rooms. That's where we start. That's where we build the city of God. And you think back, for those of you who have studied God's Word, and you think back of the Shema of Deuteronomy 6, when it was so clear, listen, O hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You love Him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. And take these things and press them upon your children. Take these things and talk to them when you're sitting down, when you're laying down, when you're walking. You're going to just keep on talking to them. Because why? Because the city of God begins around our dining room table. It begins with, with teaching our kids about the amazing God who is and never letting the world tell our children how God created this world. It starts right there. And it's not just my job, it's your job. Every one of us has a pulpit. It's called a dining room. And we're supposed to start by building right there godly families. Godly families that will uh, make a godly city that will impact a, a world for God's glory. That is why Orangewood is passionate about children. We believe in a covenant God who loves children. We believe that all the, all the blessings God has given to us, we should be massaging into them. That's why we use this facility for Maitland Community Preschool. And thank God that 115 kids come in this way. That's why we use this place for Orange Christian School. And thank God that 700 kids come here. Do you know that there's 800 kids here every week hearing about the God who is? And maybe you choose to send your kids another way. And you're not a second-class citizen at Orangewood. Because why? You begin with your dining room wherever you send them. But we are committed to the fact that we've got to build the city of God and we're going to do it with our children. And we're going to invest in them. Because that's the future as well. And that will keep our distinction. Listen, if we can build godly families, we will build the city of God. The world wants to rip our children from our hands. So we build godly homes. What else do we do? We plant gardens and eat their produce. I mean, basically he's saying this. We engage in commerce. I mean, they're in Babylon. Listen, just what I want you to do is I want you to build your house and I want you to build your business. And I want you to plant gardens. And basically saying, I want you to put down roots. But the way I want you to go do business, my church, my family, my bride, is I want you to adhere to the kingdom of God rules. The way that you engage in commerce tomorrow and whatever that is should be uniquely different than the world's way 
Because your goal is to advance Christ's kingdom and be under God's reign and rule. You see, not only that, uh, we're called to give. To give our lives, our children to the cause of Christ. Hey, listen, stay married. You know, get married if you can, if that's what God's will for you. If you're single, you know, look at guys like Paul. I mean, amazing things is done through signal this. This is not saying there's two tears, but he's basically saying, make sure that your lives and your children are for the cause of Christ. When he's saying get married, he's certainly not saying marry uh, those who don't believe. Never be unequally yoked. Why? So that we can multiply. So that we can multiply. He says, even there, we shouldn't decrease. We should be increasing. Orangewood, we should be multiplying. Not just this church, the church of Jesus Christ all over the place. God has always told His people to multiply. Never to hide. Never just to be a holy huddle. We have a tendency to do that. What do you tell Adam? Adam, I want you to multiply. Fill this earth with your glory. Noah, I want you to multiply. Fill the earth with your glory. Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can fill the earth with your glory. What did Jesus say at the end of his life, the Great Commission? Multiply. Fill the earth with my glory. Listen, he wants us to have a distinction and the ability to multiply. If we're just like the world, we can't multiply, can we? Right? I mean, there's got to be something uniquely different about us in love with Jesus and set free by the gospel and unveiled that lets us multiply. And the only way we all multiply is if we have something different. And God has called us to build the city of God. The Bible can be summed up. The whole thing can be summed up of tale of two seeds. A righteous seed and a holy seed. We see it from Cain and Abel. You follow that righteous seed all the way through and you guess, guess what? The righteous seed leads to a city. A city of God and a city of man. I mean, Augustine said very clearly, there's two cities in the Bible. Are you building the city of God or the city of man? And those two cities represent two kingdoms. Are you representing the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man? Big distinctions between the two. I mean, the kingdom of man, I mean, think of Babel. What did they try to do? They wanted to build a place for themselves. They wanted to build a place for their own names. They they wanted to build their own way to heaven. It's a place of oppression. It's a place of weariness. It's a place of selfishness. But there's this kingdom that God calls us into through the work of Jesus Christ that we could be a part of His family. He says, I'm going to bless you. Come into my kingdom. And you don't have to build a name for yourself. You ready for this? I'm going to give you my name. You don't have to build a life for yourself. You ready for this? I've lost my life, so I can give you my life. I'll give you my identity. I'll give you my surplus. The kingdom of God. Come into this great kingdom of God so I can bless you so that you can be a blessing. The city of God is built upon Christ as King, a place where He gives us His name, His identity, His joy. And the false prophets in Jeremiah's day were basically saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't build. Just be all about yourself. Listen, God is calling Orangewood to build a city within a city. A city that we can reign over this city. They're in conflict. The city of man. And we reign over them by bringing blessings. Are you doing it? How's your, how's your family? Are you building a home? Are you building in this community? Then we rain blessings upon the city of man. How are the people, this is a question we've always been asking, how, how are the people of God supposed to interact with the world? How are we supposed to do it? I mean, hey, we've been called to Him. We're Christians. How are we now supposed to hang out with pagans and those other people? I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to ignore them? 
Uh, are we supposed to oppress them? Are we supposed to declare jihad on them? What are we supposed to do? I mean, what's the church supposed to do with the world around us? Here's what Jesus says. Bless them. Rain blessing upon them. Seek the wholeness of the city. Shalom here is so loaded. I mean, it's, it's their economic wholeness. It's, it's not just their spiritual wholeness. Okay, put yourself in their shoes. You're hearing this word. And God's saying, here's what I want you to do. You know your captors? You know the ones that burned your temple? You know the ones who knocked down your walls? You know those ones that raped and pillaged in your towns? You know those ones that dragged you and kidnapped you? Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek what's best for them. I want you to seek their prosperity. I want you to seek their shalom. Because as you seek their shalom, guess what? Your wholeness will be found in their wholeness. Are you kidding me? God is calling us to do that? God's telling us to go out there and love them? Don't we know about them? He says, listen, I've called you into this this amazing relationship with me. And now go and bless them. Listen, the only people who could ever bless our community are those who are citizens of another community. They follow this train of thinking, okay? If we go into the city next tomorrow, wherever we live and wherever we're going, to find our name, to find our identity, to find our joy, to find our security, we will go into the city for ourselves. And it will be all about ourselves. And we will do everything we can to get... But if by God's grace we can realize that Jesus Christ has come to set us free, to give us a new identity, a new name, a new citizenship, that now we don't have to go look into city beautiful for our identity, our life, and our joy. We find it all in Jesus. And now we have this unbelievable leverage in the Gospel and this power to go and to give. Why? Because we got it all somewhere else. The hope for Orlando is you, church. The hope of the world is you. I mean, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of the gospel. But He has chosen to use us to bring the kingdom of God here and now to bring His blessings. And if we're looking to find our name in this city, if we're looking to find our identity in this city, our joy in this city, we will use this city. But if we can gather together with unveiled faces and say, God, set me free. Set me free in the gospel so I can come and love this city in your name. Unbelievably, it's in seeking the wholeness of this city that we find our own wholeness. Are you seeking the wholeness of your city? The plan of God has never changed. Listen, he's always said, fill the earth with my glory. And listen, everything matters. Yes, it's most important that we win souls to Jesus. But God has come to make how many things new? All things new. I love my professor Bruce Walke's definition of righteousness, especially in the Proverbs. He says, righteousness is when we disadvantage ourselves for the advantage of others. You know what Jesus is calling us to do in this building a city, to reach a city, to love a city, to reign over a city? Orangewood, disadvantage yourself to lift up and love others. Rain blessings on this city. May this city say, I don't know what we do without Orangewood. Those people are crazy in love with Jesus. They just can't help but seem to serve one another and they just can't help to serve us. 
And listen, we seek God's blessing when, and, and His wholeness when we go and we, we teach others down at Restore Orlando. When we're involved at True Life Choice. When we're involved in, in our ministry partners' lives. When we seek someone else's wholeness, you ready for this? We find ours. We'll never be whole without them. He, call, he tells us that we're to seek the city to come. That there's a city come. Uh, uh, Hebrews 13 uh, tells us that we're to live our lives in light of the fact that this isn't it, folks. If you're looking for Jeremiah who says, I know my plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Too many of you could sit here and stand up and say, bull, right now. I'm telling you right. Where in the world is my prosperity? Where in the world is my security? Where in the world is my hope and my future? It's in a city to come. It's in a city to come. It's a city that God has made with His own hands. And, and when you read the book of Revelation and you get to the end of the story, you realize that yes, we've entered into the kingdom of God. But in the end days, God's going to deliver us a city. And it's going to be a city with, with streets of gold and, and it's going to have gates of pearl. And you're ready for this city to come? There's going to be no more death and there's going to be no more tears and there's going to be no more misery. That is our hope. That is our future. That is our goal. But we're not there yet. Oh, we've tasted it. We will get a part and a glimpse of it because Jesus has come. The kingdom is here now. But it's not here in its fullness. So we are to live our lives not pursuing an American dream. Not even pursuing our own dream. But pursuing a city that will come. Preparing ourselves. Living like citizens of that city now. Jesus has given us a meal. He's given us a meal that is reminding us that there is a city to come. He says, I'm going to feed you this. And what I want you to do with this is I want you to remember. I want you to remember of what I've done. When you see the broken bread, remember the body that was broken for you. When you drink the juice, the wine, remember I shed my blood for you. Remember right now as you do that, build the city of God. Listen, I'm going to strengthen you to do it. And I'm going to strengthen you through this meal. But I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to ask you, to long for the meal to come. Because there's going to be a meal we're going to see Jesus face to face and I can't wait. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to be there if we're His children and we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And what He wants you to do is He wants you to taste that meal now. He wants to put on your tongue and in your life hope to come in Christ Jesus. Orangewood in summary, in conclusion, God has called us to build a city of God right here. So that we can rain blessings on the city of God or on the city of man around us while living our lives longing for that city to come. How is it with you? Are you building that city for God? Are you blessing this city for God? And are you longing for God to do more? Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for the amazing call that you gave to Jeremiah. You told him to write a letter that must have absolutely freaked the people out. That, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build. Uh, here's what I want you to do. Uh, build a city for me. Uh, I want you to seek. I want you to seek uh, the welfare of this city. Uh, God, they must have thought you were crazy. But God, you called us to build and to a city here for you so that we can bless this world for you. So we can live out our vision. 
so that we could see the transformation of Central Florida and the world into this great kingdom of God. The way you choose to use us is marvelous. Father, I pray for the person who is yet to enter into your family, your city, your kingdom. May today be the day that they say, I want to be that kind of person, that kind of citizen that God loves uniquely in Christ. And God, I pray for this church. May we truly be a passionate place in love with one another and in love with you to build this place for your glory and to have an impact on our community. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.